Our topic this morning is on the journey to Jerusalem. You know, as it is, probably it will not tell you anything. I share some of this with my students in one of my classes, and they said the topic should be stay focused. It is about a journey that the Lord Jesus made, a trip to Jerusalem. And I want us to look at that uh, this morning. Greetings from Jerusalem. You know, just uh, looking at the city of uh, Jerusalem, my wife and I had the privilege to be there uh, as well. And then the Lord Jesus, at the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah came to him and speak with him. And there we see in verse 30 and 31, they appear in glorious splendor and spoke about his departure that he was about to carry out at Jerusalem. The conversation on the top of the mountain was on the glorious departure of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that departure? What is it about? Something that he had to accomplish in Jerusalem. Actually, the, the departure would refer to his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to glory. And when they spoke with him about that, he started a journey to Jerusalem. And that journey started in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke. And he only reached chapter 19, Jerusalem in chapter 19. What happened along the way? This morning we want to look at that journey and try to learn some things from it. In chapter 9, verse 51, we see that uh, when the days draw near for him to be taken up, he set his face to do what? To go to Jerusalem. Verse 53, the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Chapter 13, verse 22, and he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying, Toward Jerusalem. 33 of chapter 13 again. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stone those who are sent to it. Chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Chapter 18, verse 31. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. 19, verse 11. As they heard this thing, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. Verse 28. And when he said this thing, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? 
a number of references telling us that the Lord Jesus Christ was on his way to Jerusalem. He did a few things on the way, but his focus was Jerusalem. He was on a mission. He had a vision. He was passionate about going to Jerusalem. Let's look at some of these references. What was the purpose of the journey? In chapter 9, verse 51, it it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And that word actually is a a Hebrew uh, idiom. To set one face to go somewhere indicates a determination to accomplish a task. Some, transla- some translation translated that way. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was determined. He said, I am going to Jerusalem to accomplish this task. That was what he was passionate about. That was his mission. He had a vision for Jerusalem to go there and do, and do something. Now, when we look at his life, we see on a number of occasions, whoops, right, on a number of occasions that he spoke about his work. In John 17, 4, for example, he said towards the end of his life, I glorify you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He knew what was his work. He knew what, was, what he was passionate about. And towards the end, he could say, I have accomplished the work. And on the cross, he said, it is completed or it is finished. In Hebrews 12, uh, verse 2 to 3, we know this word. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set out for him, for that that was before him, the joy. He looked at the cross. He took the cross because he knew there was something behind that cross. And that was what he was going for. The Lord Jesus lived with a purpose. He was someone who knew what he wanted to do. So even though the journey took place between chapter 9 to chapter 19, he never lost sight of what his mission was. He knew it was going to Jerusalem to do what God wanted him to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle to know what my vision is, let alone my mission, and to be passionate about it. I remember starting in full-time ministry, start very young, 
And at that time, being active in a number of things, uh, preach in prison, preach in a hospital, uh, visiting uh, elderly people, have young people camp, evangelizing on the street, going from uh, door to door selling books, uh, visiting peop- uh, places to evangelize. Can you see that before I had reached 30, I almost had a burnout? And I was active for the Lord. I was doing these things in God's service. But was it really all of it that He really wanted me to do? Was that that what He gifted me for? Was that the calling upon my life? It is good for us to know what we are passionate about and what we are called to do. We will never be able to do all the good things that we want to do. Personally, it's good for us to know what is it that God called me to do. But as a local church, it's also good for us to know what is it that God wants us to do. A number of things happen along the way, and I want to speak with you from my heart this morning. I'm a theologian, but I don't like theological sermons. I like to share. And that's what I want to do. The first thing that we see is that because the Lord Jesus was so passionate about what He was going to do, He faced rejection. When the Samaritans saw that He was going to Jerusalem... What do we see? The people there did not welcome him. Why? Because he was heading for Jerusalem. They rejected him. They did not agree with him. Why not with us? Why not stay with us? Why are you going to Jerusalem? You should be here with us. If you are passionate about what God called you to do, you may face rejection. Sometimes as Christian, young Christians, I don't know about here, But I know some Christians, when they come to the Lord, they face rejection within their own family. Because they are passionate about following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the family do not like that. Sometimes their friends will reject them. Another thing that we see is a lack of commitment. I have a few uh, comments about it, not really reading the verses. But if you look at Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, after the Lord Jesus announced that, some people said, Lord, we want to follow you. But they had all kind of excuses. Lord, I still have to do this. Lord, I have to do this. They, they had uh, social relationships. They had their friends. They had their family. All these things they wanted to make in order, take care of them before they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Following Him is something of being committed to following Him. Our Christian life is about Him. He is the person, the most important person in our Christian life, in our life as a Christian. We want to bring honor and glory to His name in our lives and in our relationships with others. You know, sometimes you focus so much on us and me and I and not enough on Him and, and Him and Him alone. 
if all is well with him, if all is well in my relationship with him, in how things are with him, if he is the center of my life, it will be, it will be well with those around me as well. I'll draw strength from the relationship with him. And I'll be able to live with others. I love this one. Sometimes, uh, because we are passionate of something, we have to take unpopular decisions. Decisions that people will not like. In this uh, story in Luke 13, verse 6 to 9, we find a parable of a man who planted a fig tree. And then after three years, he came and he couldn't find tree. I mean, for three years now, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And each time I inspect it, I find none. So what should I do? Cut it down. Cut it down. Of course, not everybody will be happy with that. The next person said, the worker said, Sir, leave it alone. This year too. Until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. Then if it bears fruit next year, very well. But if not, you can cut it down. I mean, he has been doing this for three years already. Every year, same story, I would say. It is not there. You simply have to decide this is not working. And we have to cut it down. You know, sometimes as Christians or church people, I don't know which one you prefer. We are so active doing a lot of things for the Lord. But do we really ask ourselves whether these things are fruitful? Are they bearing fruit? Or should we cut them down? And that's not easy. Cut it down is not easy. But sometimes that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Personally, but also as a local church. Not all the things that we are trying to keep going on are worth keep going on. Some of them, we should just let them go graciously. You remember the story of Israel in the desert? They came out of Egypt. And their goal was to go to the promised land. And halfway through the journey, what happened? Some people said, oh, all the good things in Egypt, I want to go back to Egypt. And because of that, they discouraged the people. Actually, they wanted to put a leader to take them back to Egypt. Instead of focusing on where they were going. At one time, they even uh, built a calf, a golden calf, and worship it as God. And at that time, God was so angry. He said, I'm going to destroy all of them. Moses, let me destroy all of them, and I'll build a new nation. What did Moses do? Just like the man in this parable. He prayed. He said, Lord, you cannot do that. Lord, what will happen to the nation when they hear this? They will say you are not able to take care of your own people. So Lord, please uh, have mercy. And the Lord did. 
Do you know what? Do you know the rest of the story? What happened? How many of these people entered the promised land? None of them. But what did it do to Moses? Because of them, what happened to Moses? He sinned against God. He himself didn't enter the promised land anymore. Sometimes there are things that are in our life, in our churches, that we simply have to take a decision about. It will not be popular, but we have to cut it down. I struggle to give this one a title. It was about uh, the views of the Pharisees and the religious leaders in those days and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not happy with the Lord Jesus who wanted to heal someone on the Sabbath. According to their interpretation, it's not possible. And they made that clear. The, in uh, verse 14, 13, Luke 13, 14, the ruler of the synagogue, uh, he was angry because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. That man was angry. Why Jesus healed on the Sabbath? What was the Lord's response? The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from its stall and lead it to water? And then when he do the same with a human being, they have a problem with that. It is on the journey where not all of us will agree. I say uh, with our interpretation. It's not so much about the word but it is about our interpretation, our understanding. The way they understood the Sabbath was not what God meant it to be. And sometimes on the journey, yes, it is possible that we can have differences in our views as far as interpreting things are concerned. And believe me, Christians, they are very good at that. Uh, I don't want to share all stories with you, but you know, I grew up in the Brethren Church, and there's a church that I know quite a lot about. I have fellowship with others as well. Uh, but sometimes uh, I know in our church we would argue about whether we should have an instrument in the church or not. You know? But I mean, looking at your godly faces, you've never faced those things. Uh, Arguing about whether we should sing hymns or uh, modern songs, you know. We can argue about these things. But is it really the word of God or is it our interpretation of things? I come from a culture where we worship God with all that is within us. Including our hands, our feet, our body, everything. When we rejoice in the Lord, we rejoice with everything. And you come to some culture where they say, Be still and know that I am God. You know, and we can debate about those things sometimes. The worst thing is, when we make our interpretation to be equal with the word of God, then that's the problem. On this side of eternity, as Paul said, 
or knowledge is not perfect. Never perfect. We are learning. We are growing. And it's good to know we depend on the Lord and the guidance of His Holy Spirit every single day. A person with a vision should always do this. Is this the right word? Recast the vision. Tell the people again about the vision. What is it that we are doing? In Luke 13, verse 33 to 34, the Lord Jesus said to the people, I mean, after he was on his way for a while, he said, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow. And the day following, it cannot be that the prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. He had to tell them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going there because I must die there. We are not going to Jerusalem with another intention or another purpose. I'm going there to die. It's good to keep reminding us on our journey. What is it that we are here for? Personally, but also as a local church, it's good to know. One of the questions that I put for us uh, as a kind of discussion, discussion question is, what is the vision of our church? Do we know? Sometimes we can reach, and every one of us can have a different vision and see things from a different perspective. It's good to have a common vision going to the same direction. I mentioned a few things, just a, a list of things that happened along the way where the Lord Jesus' focus was on the outcast. You know, after a while, he realized that those Jewish leaders, you can't talk to those men. You're wasting your time. Cut it down. And he focused on other people. Chapter 14, the, in fight, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. In chapter 15, we have the story of the tax collector and sinners who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. But these were also the outcasts. Uh, a shepherd, a woman, a young man that went to herd pigs. You know, Jews would not do that. A poor man named Lazarus, the ten lepers, a widow, a tax collector, and even children. We see that his focus was on these people as well. Why? He knew that he came to give his life as a ransom for them. I have the PowerPoints. If it's going too fast, you want to use them, no copyright. Uh, Luke 18, again he reminded them, we are going to Jerusalem. And again he said it very clear. The Son of Man will be turned over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. You know, but that's not all. There was also good news. On the third day, he will rise again. That is it. That was the journey to Jerusalem about. He had to go to Jerusalem because he had to die there. He will bury him, but he will come back to life. It will not be an end there. 
And this part of the journey amazes me the most. The text says, the disciple did not understand any of this. They have been with the Lord on the journey for such a long time. And still, they had no clue what he was talking about. I said, let me try to put it into context. Going back to chapter 9, Peter made a great confession. He said the Lord was the Christ of God. And then the Lord announced the mission to them at that stage, even before going up to the mountain. He told them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. He told them before. And he told them what the response should be. He said, you should follow me. Take your cross and follow me. But uh, these disciples, you know what they were concerned about? What do you think? Number one, an argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. At that time when the Lord was talking to them, their minds were going to say, wait a minute, is he greater than I? Is Peter greater than I because he confessed that he is the Christ of God and, and he took this up to the mountain? What about us? They care about which one of us is the greatest. And they took it to a next level. There was a person there who was casting out demons and they told him, you can't do that because you are not one of us. You have to be part of our group. If not, you cannot do these things. The Lord spoke with them privately showed them what was going to happen, took them to the mountain, they saw some of the glory, three of them at least, and yet they had no idea what he was talking about. And we are like the disciples, isn't it? Sometimes someone will come to us and talk to us about something that God is doing in their lives and we have no idea. That that can happen or that God can do something like that. And we don't understand that. Or as a church. Why is it like that? Probably just like the disciples. We are concerned too much with ourselves. We are focusing too much on ourselves. And our community, our society is not helping us. In doing things differently. It's all about me. It's all about me. Of course also I. And me. The Lord took it to a next level. And he spoke to the. Community. For the son of man came to seek. And to save the lost. In Luke 19. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And what happened? And because they supposed 
that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He told them this because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. For them it was not about a savior who was going to die. They were expecting a king to become the king of the Jews. And guess what? What would happen? They would be with him and they will rule the nations, isn't it? They would be the center of everything. They did not focus on what he said, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. As we read the final stage, uh, we see the Lord looking towards the city of Jerusalem. Different than this, of course, in those days, but something similar. Seeing the city, and we see he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He realized that the message that he brought, what he was telling them, they they didn't want to understand. But he knew that that was going to be the outcome. He knew beforehand. He was not going to Jerusalem to be welcomed as the great king. He knew he was going to Jerusalem to die, to become the savior of the world. He entered the city and celebrates Celebrate the final uh, Passover with his disciple. And after the meal, he went outside the city to pray. And we know what happened next. He prepared himself for his mission. And then they took him and they crucified him outside of the city. That was a long journey. The journey to Jerusalem for our Lord Jesus Christ. But that was not the end when he died. There was also the resurrection. And then the man asked, What do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And that's what happened. When we look back at this whole story, the journey to Jerusalem, the things that he faced, one thing was always clear before him. I'm going to Jerusalem. No matter what I'll face along the way, Jerusalem is where I'm going. What about us? What is it that we are so passionate about? What is it that we are living for, personally, and as a local church. Is our vision connected with the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem? Does it have anything to do with what he did for us on the cross? Thus it is written, 
that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That was the final message. The journey to Jerusalem from his side and then as it were he's handing over to us. Say, you are witnesses of these things. Share this good news. Forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in my name to all the people. Let me close by uh, making a few comments. First of all, the Lord called each and every one of us and we are special, each and every one of us. I remember working with a team on Bible translation and we had a saying that every one of us must be on the team because of the differences and the skills that we bring in. But sometimes you don't want to have two of the same person in the team because of what that person brings in as well. That's the other side of the story. I think some of them would be glad to have me in the team, but not two of me. That would be too much. But we all have something to contribute. God gifted each and every one of us in such a way that we can be a blessing to another. It is also good for us to know what is it that we are passionate about personally. What is it that Thrives our life. And let's focus on that. And let's bring honor and glory to God through that. And as a local church, you know, I like to I like to dream. I'm a dreamer. Sometimes people look at things there, but I don't see what they are seeing. I'm seeing Way ahead. I remember back home when we were uh, speaking in the church to build our own building. Preaching one Sunday, I asked them to look there. What do they see? And they saw grass and things everywhere. I told them, I am seeing a building, not the grass. I saw something else coming up. You know, when Israel saw desert everywhere, Moses saw a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And in the book of Deuteronomy, as it were, he took the promised land and brought it to the people. Read Deuteronomy. You tell them, when you are in the promised land, when you are in the promised land, and when you see this, and when you see this, he was in the desert. But he saw beyond that to where God was leading him and he rejoiced in that was it easy no were there difficulties yes did he himself suffer because of other things other friends and and he himself sin yes he did but i'm sure if we ask him when we are there with the lord he will say i have enjoyed every part of it and he came to the lord jesus christ to speak with him 
about, and actually the Greek text used the same word, his exodus in Jerusalem. Going out. Finishing something in Jerusalem. Moses did his. He didn't enter into the promised land. The Lord Jesus, he did. And he finished well. And he finished strong. Just like Paul. He said, One thing, I'm looking ahead. Going towards the goal in Philippians chapter 3. That is before me. At the end of his life he said, I have finished the race. He completed his journey. What about us? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you set an example before us. And we realize, Lord, that in our lives we are not like you. But we want to be like you, Lord. We want to bring honor and glory to God our Father by finishing the work that He gave us to do. We want our life personally, but also our life as a local church to bring honor to You. We pray, Lord, that You will renew our vision and that You will make us passionate about those things that you are passionate about. We commit each and every one of us into your mighty hands. In your name we pray. Amen.